Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Welcome to everyone who's streaming in today. And Wayne, what are we doing this morning? <laughs> well, we've been having a lot of really good conversations with people and, and feedback from the session we did a couple of Sundays ago on God's vision for families. And, and we felt we weren't finished. So we thought we'd come back for another bite at that, at that cherry today. So just to quickly remind people of, of the things that we talked about. Remember we said there are seven biblical habits that align us with God's vision. And we had a very active picture on the screen of what that looks like. Um, and we read from Ephesians. Now we're going to read a shorter part of that. So why don't you read that passage. So Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 through to chapter 6, 4. So no handout today. If you've got last times, you can use that. That handout is also available on our website for you to download. Also, many of you will have bought your own copy of the Bible. Do you realize, just a very quick thing, you realize how awesome it is that you have your own copy? You do realize that. You do realize that the availability of the Bible in this generation is phenomenal, which is, quite, which is actually scary uh, because you are without excuse. And I say that, I want to say that carefully, but also soberly. It's like when you stand before God and go, and he says, did you read my books? And you go, no. That's going to be awkward, isn't it? It's going to be like, mm. you know, Jules has been teaching Habakkuk. You're going to meet him one day. Be like, what do you think of my book? I'm like, Julie, read from that awkward a... <laughs> note, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 uh, to chapter 6, verse 4. So this is an abridged version of what you had in the handouts a couple of weeks ago. And further, at home, we've put that in, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for a, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault in the same way, husbands, love your wives as you love your own body. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. But it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. 
Thanks, Julie. So last time we did this, we put up a list of seven. So that's on the screen behind me now. Just very quickly run through those. Those We said there is, these are the seven habits that we cultivate in our families that align us with this vision of what God has for a family. So they're all in the notes uh, that you had a couple of Sundays ago, and they're available on the screen, as you can see. So I want to move on and talk about the, the higher vision. All of that we summarize into this higher vision, which is to glorify God. That's the goal that God has in his mind, that, that we as his people we speak of something that glorifies him. We live in a way that other people go, wow, I want to know their God. That's the essence of what that means. And there's a process involved in that. We talked a little bit about this, the transformation that's required. And we, Paul speaks about this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, don't be conformed to the, to the culture and the standards around you. You live to a higher place. You, you pursue the things that are above. And so we understand that there's, there's a, a struggle that goes on as adults and it goes on in the hearts of our children as well because our culture is strong and the current of our culture is strong. But we have to say, hey, we've got a higher vision. We're not following the cultural trends because we're following the, what God is saying. It's a higher, it's a greater, it's a glorious, more glorious picture than what our culture is offering you and we need to keep saying that to ourselves over and over again Paul talks about this in Colossians 3 1 and 4 and he he calls us all Colossians 3 1 to 4 yep since you have been raised to new life so straight away raised to new life means you're up higher you've got a higher perspective since you're, you're there with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you'll share in all his glory. So you're living from that perspective. We're going, there's a day when Christ is going to be revealed to the whole world. And I who have lived faithfully in obedience am going to share somehow in that glory. What a glorious day that will be. Won't it? You're going to share in that. We're all going to share in that. Faithfully living. So this is what Jesus is talking about in John 17, actually, when he's praying totally. as well. This is the desire. He expresses the desire of the Father's heart, you know, is, is saying, you know, that we would love, we would experience and be caught and drawn up into the love of God. It's, 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 it's all the same. Yeah, it's, it's a greater, greater reality. reality. Yeah. And so one of the things we'd really like you to take away today is, is this greater and more glorious vision for marriage and family than even the church has settled with because we've settled for something that's less as well. We've, bought, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be pushed off course by the cultural currents and we've settled for something less. So let's just, I just want to quickly say a few things here about this. So, so Christian families, now I understand that some of you are first generation Christians, uh, some of you have got Christian history in your family line there's different expressions of all that. But we're, we're talking about God's vision. We're talking about a glorious vision. So it's not about where you're at right now. It's about, hey, that's where we're going. So whatever our history is, even up until now in our own, it's like, hang on, we're setting our gaze there. That's where we're going. 
Because Christian families are meant to be multi-generational examples of God's grace and wisdom. Multi-generational examples of God's grace and wisdom. I'm going to keep running through these very quickly. It's one generation declaring the character of God to the next generation. These are all from scriptures. God's blessing flows in the family line as the family honours him and people will see that coming. Uh, Husbands, when you're loving your wife as Christ loved the church and you're giving yourself to present her spotless. There's a, there's a powerful dynamic involved in, the, in that. When wives are honouring and submitting to their husbands as they honour the Lord, there's, there's a dynamic that's unleashed in a family context when these things are happening, when fathers and mothers are together disciplining and instructing the children in the wisdom of God and when children are obeying their parents, they're receiving God's blessing on their lives. And think about, we go, hey, who wants to receive God's blessing? Keep your hand down, right? But when it comes to, okay, as a husband, I want to receive God's blessing. Therefore, I want to treat my wife as Jesus treats his bride. I get a big standard to live up to. I mean, it's like she wants to, Julie wants to receive blessing from God. It's submit to me as her husband is unto the Lord. Children want to receive God's blessing. It's obey your parents. There's this blessing that flows. So it's this majestic picture. A glorious picture of personal responsibility and mutual honour and mutual submission. And I've chosen a mountain image specifically because we're committing to climb a mountain. It's not easy. It's a challenge. It requires everything. You don't drift up a mountain. Lots of training. It's lots of training. Lots of effort. You know, no one ever drifted to the top of Mount Everest. It's like, oh, I found myself Mount Everest. Hmm. How do I get up here? No one ever does that. It's through discipline and training. So the goal is always the summit when you're climbing a mountain. I've never climbed, I've climbed a few small hills, but not a mountain, not one that you qualify as a mountain. But the goal is the summit. Even if you're climbing Bluff Knoll, the goal is the summit, you know. But sometimes you don't make it to the summit. Something happens along the way and you can't make it. But you'll make it further by aiming at the summit than if you just aim at the base. I'll just make it to the base of the mountain. No, no one does that. I don't think they do. The goal is to aim for the summit. So it's this thing of we want our families to glorify God. And that's the direction we're going to head in. That's the summit. That's the summit. So we keep our eyes fixed on the summit. And we say, God, I need your grace to climb that. I'm not going to be able to do it in my own strength. That is both the wisdom of it and the beauty of it. It's this thing of, God, I'm never going to make it to the summit unless you help me. And I thank you that you want to help me. So I'm asking you for help. I need humility and I need patient endurance. Because sometimes I have to stop halfway and catch my breath. And I feel like I can't go on, but I don't want to go back. So just wait patiently, keeping my eyes on the summit. It means it causes me to pray because it's like, God, I'm never going to make it without you. And it means if I fall, I get up, patch myself up, if you like. I keep my eyes back on the summit and I start to climb again. And so this idea that our families will glorify God is a countercultural idea. Do not expect our society to stand up and clap and applaud you. 
but expect God to. And that's that thing of when Christ is revealed, you get to bask in his glory. You get to hear him say, well done. You set your eyes on the summit. You set your eyes as a family to glorify me. Well done. I think one of the problems is fear. They're afraid. And that's really strong at the moment. We're getting so many messages about be afraid. And it's like men or women need to be afraid of men. Men want to be afraid of women. So there's all sorts of animosity in our culture. People are being told all sorts of things. And some of it's true, but some of it's blown out of proportion. Some of the ways that some of the labels that our society uses... um, for example, you know, toxic masculinity. Now, there are men who are badly behaved men. They're typically weak men. And in their fear, they're acting out destructively. They're not strong men. They're actually weak men that punish women. So, but I think wives, I'll just speak to you and say wives... I think some of you are afraid to submit to your husbands because you're afraid of what might happen. I think husbands, some of you are afraid to truly love your wife as Christ loves the church and gives himself because you're afraid of what might happen. And I think children are afraid to obey their parents because you might get called names at school. Like, oh, you obey your parents. How weak and useless are you kind of thing. You know, but there's a fear of children obeying their parents. Like, well, my parents will take advantage of me. Just to give a little bit of perspective on that, um, if you didn't have parents, you wouldn't be alive. Um, my parents made me do all sorts of things when I was young. Horrendous childhood I had. They used to make me. Against your will. Against my will. <laughs> they would make me do the dishes. <laughs> They'd make me clean my room and make my bed. They would make me help around the house. They would, make, they would make me go to church. They even made me go to youth camp when I didn't want to. And I'm so grateful they did. Because my life wouldn't be what it is without them making me do things. So we want this higher vision. So we want to, first of all, we, so can we just acknowledge that, hey, it's a bit intimidating. We've got some fears going on. But we want to go in the grace of God and say, God, we want our families to glorify you. We want to follow the habits that you've set. So today we're going to focus on three. Uh, obeying and honouring parents, discipline and instruction of the Lord and blessing the power and promise. Julie, take us away on to... Right, we're going straight to the summit. It. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> Let's go. Straight to the summit. Actually, Genesis 18. Just anyone, does anyone have any idea why God chose Abraham, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, you know that song? Abraham, the father of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the one that he entered into covenant with. Anyone have any idea why? Have you ever wondered, why Abraham? Like, who was Abraham? God actually gives a reason. It's, It's sort of hidden there in Genesis chapter 18, but you can look at it. Verse 19 reads like this. From the voice translation, I have chosen him for a reason, namely 
that he will carefully instruct his children and his household to keep themselves strong in relationship with me and to walk in my ways by doing what is good and right in the world and by showing mercy and justice to all others. I know, says God, he will uphold his end of the covenant so that he can ensure my promises to him will be fulfilled and upheld as well. Wow. Isn't that a powerful verse? God knew Abraham is watching him. He goes, I know that man. I pick him. And this is the reason. It actually relates to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 4, and 5. There's a whole list of qualifications of um, elders or overseers, people who lead and watch over people in the church. Because it says there, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, you know, that one must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So it's the same, it's the same principle being worked out there in the church. Jordan Peterson, um, some of you know him, probably listen to his podcasts. He says this, your life becomes meaningful in precise proportion to the depths of the responsibility you are willing to shoulder. Have a think about that. The more responsibility you take on, Mm. the more meaning your life has. Now he's not, he doesn't, he's not a, well, he's not a publicly confessing Christian. I'm not making any judgment on his person or whatever, but he is a, psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist. One, one of those, psychologists, Clinical thank you, psychologist. clinical psychologist, and says a lot of very interesting things that have a lot of biblical weight to them. So teaching children to honor and obey their parents out of reverence and honor for Jesus Christ is a weighty responsibility that will bear abundant fruit from generation to generation. And I want to say actually that no one no one escapes that in this room just because you haven't given birth um well that's half of you anyway but uh just because you don't have children doesn't mean this these principles and what i'm about to say doesn't apply to you because actually it does because one you have parents so you've had to either walk in this or throw it off but also You have responsibility, first of all, to train and disciple yourself and then whoever God puts in your orbit, regardless of whether they are your flesh and blood children, okay? Whoever he gives you influence over, this is the responsibility and it's a weighty responsibility. So we're going to have a look at this quickly. There are some important questions you might have, like why is this so important? You know, um, is it as important as other things? When does it apply? You know, how does it apply? When does it not apply? What are the consequences for obedience? What are the consequences for disobedience? And of course, what I'm about to say is in the context of parent-child relationships. Okay. So what is honor? You know, honor your father and your mother. Well, honor is showing respect for the qualified person, the parent, the, the one that God says to honor, the parent that he's given you. Honor is showing great respect throughout life now there's a different 
teaching for children in, in a sense of obedience than to say a, an adult, mature, um, you know, adult. However, the principle of honoring transcends every age, okay? No matter what age you are to honor. So obedience to parents is an aspect of honor, right? Children who obey their parents are actually honoring their parents, which is therefore honoring God. And it's a tool, it's a tool for instilling God's way of life and wisdom in dependent children through persistent training. I'm going to read that again. Honor is showing great respect for the qualified parent throughout life. Obedience to parents is an aspect of honor and it's a tool for instilling God's way of life and wisdom in dependent children through persistent instruction. Uh, there's a lot in that statement, actually. It's not unconditional compliance. That's not what we're talking about. That's not actually the goal of honor your father and mother, obey your parents. The goal is not unconditional compliance to the parents' demands, but rather that the child's obedience flows from the trust and love for parents where the child listens, pays attention to, yields, and applies biblical wisdom and teachings. Does that make sense? Because, you know, there is a thought out there that no matter what, utter 100% compliance is the goal. And I want to just say very carefully, I don't see that that's the goal in Scripture. Honoring and obeying is the goal. And I think the difference is how this takes place. Because everything in Scripture emphasizes the listen, take heed, or take note of, process that, take note, yield, apply. Now, that is a process, isn't it? You know, the old, because I said so, is not so effective, is it? Unless you're just wanting an instant, quick, quick, just do what I said, all right? Because I said so. However, really, the, the goal of parenting is to provide instruction and training and wisdom and to point the child to the wisdom of God and that when you accept the wisdom of God, you're reverencing him. And when you obey him, because his laws and statutes and everything that he's put in place, all of his commandments, even if you don't understand them, they are actually all for your good because he wants to bless. That, my child, is what you need to understand. And I'm training you in this way because I love the Lord and I know in my life and my journey that he has been consistent. And when he says something and I obey it, there's a wisdom that begins to be outworked in my life. Because you see, my son, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? 
You want to be blessed, my child? This is the way. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the training. This is the instruction that is incumbent on parents to take that approach. And yes, it takes time. And sometimes it's very inconvenient. But even if you get it the majority of times, you'll be doing great work. Mm -hmm. Okay? So the Hebraic worldview teaches that both sons and daughters must honor mothers and fathers by providing them with food, with with drink, with clothing, covering them, providing for their mobility. And children show reverence by not standing or sitting in a parent's place. Do you know what I mean by that? They don't become the parent and tell everybody else what to do as if they were the parent. Contradicting the words of the parent or opposing the parent in a dispute. Do you know, teenagers, there are ways, children, there are ways to have your say with your parents that is respectful, that is honoring, doesn't require you to be rebellious or disdainful, insulting Mm -hmm. or sullen. That one, that's a good one. And there's another one. There's another way that we disdain our parents' correction. And it goes like this. And if you don't watch me, you're going to miss it because it's, Really quick. Are you watching? It goes like this. Did you see it? Did you catch that one? The old eye roll. Now, I want to say to your parents, you ought to be concerned about the eye rolling. If you're not, you're missing a very important cue. It's a very important communication tool. And it is communicating disdain, Mm, contempt, contempt. and disrespect what you just said and parents if you allow your children I'm talking about children hopefully by the time they're teenagers they've given up those childish ways but if you allow that to go on or even to occur and to happen in your child you are opening the door to a floodgate of dishonoring behavior and rebelliousness I'm telling you okay Mm -hmm. the little things matter and these were the sorts of things that our kids didn't get away with (laughs) because we knew that if we did at that age what would they be doing when they were 13 and 14 you know parents and I applaud I I applaud you because many of you in this community You know, when your child walks past me or Wayne and we say, hello, and your child goes and walks off and you go and you run, you know, you say, oh, come back and say hello, come back and say hello. You know, well done, well done. But some of you children don't do it. And I just want to say, I hope with all my heart, (laughs) that when you get home, it becomes a training moment, okay? Don't let it go, please. I'm begging you. Mm. You're thinking like, these are small things. I've got way bigger things going on in my household. No, no, no. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. The little things. There is a, um, 
Boy, I just find this uh, quote here. If I can find it. A Jewish psychologist, actually, and a parenting expert, uh, Wendy Mogul. Now, she's written a book called The Blessings, The Blessing of a Skinned Knee, all right, which is using uh, Jewish principles to raise uh, self-reliant children, okay? And she says this, children will only accept your guidance and heed your advice if they respect you. If you don't teach your children to honor you, you'll have a very hard time teaching them anything at all. Hmm. We really need to grab onto that. Hmm. Okay. Now, a few scriptures. Here we go. Don't have these on the overhead, so you might want to write these down. And I want to say, teenagers, get your pens out. Adults, children, write these scriptures down. This will give your family devotions for two weeks. Okay. Here we go. What does the Bible say? Remember, what's the high vision? What's the summit? Glorify God. God. How's your family doing? Where are you on the journey? You know those little, there used to be a a game show on TV that had a little, um, that Swedish thing that goes up. Do you remember that one? What was that called? The Price is Right or something? Yeah. Up the summit, boom. Where would your little guy stop? Yeah? Okay, here we go because we're going to look at some scriptures. Exodus 20 verse 12. Just write that down. You don't have time to look. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the fifth commandment, the fifth of ten. And it's the first one... um, with a promise, actually. If you look at the Ten Commandments, this is the first one that gives a promise. Hmm. Long life in the land. And I want to say very quickly for those, those of you who don't have a Hebraic worldview or understanding, that is a very specific reference. That doesn't mean just long life in Australia, okay? It's a specific reference to the land which was their inheritance as a nation. Hmm. Long life in the land. And if you look at the blessings, well worth reading, write this down, Deuteronomy 28 and 29. You look at the blessings and you look at the curses, the blessings for obedience, the curses for disobedience. You will see that one of the curses for disobedience is you will be taken out of the land. In fact, the Lord will drive you out of the land that is your inheritance. Okay, important. Let's look at this one, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, which is really uh, quoting, uh, quoting this. Um, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Leviticus 19, verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect your mother and father, dot, dot, dot. The very next words, the very next words, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Respect your mother and father. That's a powerful scripture. Respect for parents is part of God's holy plan. Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. You want to find out what pleases the Lord? You actually want to start experiencing some of that blessing? 
and you're wondering where it went, find out what pleases the Lord. Here you go. Right here. Obey your parents and everything. Jeremiah 35, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to get to some of you who are going, do I have to obey them in everything? All right, here we go. Jeremiah 35, 18 and 19. The eternal commander of heavenly armies and God of Israel has this message for you and your families. Because you obeyed your ancestor, Jonadab, and faithfully followed his instructions for all these years, I promise that Jonadab, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who serve me. Wow, what a blessing. You want that for your generational line? I do. I want, we yeah, want that. Okay? You faithfully followed his instructions. He was a godly man and you followed his instructions. Well done. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Listen, my son, hmm. to your father's... Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Hmm. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, can I just say, this is all in the context of parent-child relationships and all in the context of the parent fearing the Lord and training their children righteously mm. to love and obey. Get the right mm. context. Proverbs 15 verse 5. A fool spurns a parent's discipline. Anyone been spurning their parent's discipline lately? I'm not looking. But whoever heeds correction, show prudence. In other words, if you get on with it, and take the correction, listen to it, apply it out of reverence for God, you'll learn wisdom. Romans 1, 29 and 30. Paul is speaking to unrighteous people who, who who've, you know, who've just suppressed their conscience, like they've gone away from all, every, everything that's right. He says, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. It's in the list with all that stuff. You think disobedience is not important? And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, mark this. And he's talking about the last days. There'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy. The list goes on. Disobedient to their parents. I hope there's some conviction happening here this morning. Leviticus 20 verse 9, listen to this. If anyone insults his father or his mother, he shall be put to death. Oh. He has insulted his father and his mother. His blood guilt is upon him. Now, we would need to go into that, travel a little bit further into that to get the fullness of that. But are you starting to feel the weight of this? The gravity of, it, the yeah. gravity of mm -hmm. this. This from importance God's from yeah. God's perspective, exactly. Mm. You're traveling to the summit, mm. you better get some gear on or take it off. I'm not sure which. 
Matthew 18, verse 6. If anyone causes, Jesus said, one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, again, is that literally what Jesus meant? We're in trouble. But this is also emphasizing the weightiness of the, of the responsibility, not just of parents, but all of us in our witness and our behavior, what comes out of our mouth. Everything that we do either encourages and moves people towards God and the fear of God and the reverence and living in that awe of him, or it's going to cause people to stumble and to go, well, if that's what Christianity is, forget it. Now, some people are going to say that anyway. So don't take on the whole weight of the world. But if my life, if my double-mindedness, if my divided heart, if my gossiping and slander, if the way I'm living is causing someone else quietly to reject Christ, Christ, the Lord says, I'm watching that. And it's serious. It's a comparative statement, isn't it? Because Jesus is saying, it'd be better for you yes. if this happened. In other words, there's a judgment that's going to come on you from God and you don't really want that one. It would be, if you had to choose, you're like, well, I'll have the millstone tied around my neck yes. and I'll be thrown into the ocean because right. that will be the better of those yeah. two options, so to speak. And if you know how big a millstone is, it's massive. Yeah. Thanks, Wayne. Good, good, good um, clarification. So, should the child always obey? Oh, this is interesting. There is a verse, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 18 to 20. And again, this is in the context of training and instructing children to grow up in the knowledge of God. So parents fearing God, raising their children. This is not, can I just say before I read it, mm. it doesn't mean that you get to say, I don't like what the government's doing right now, so blah, 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 blah. Okay? Listen to the verse. I said to their children in the wilderness, this is God speaking through Ezekiel. I said to their children in the wilderness, do not follow the statutes of your parents or keep their laws or defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord, your God, follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Understand when a parent sets himself up as the absolute sovereign of the family in order to have power and control over the children, that's wrong. And no parent should demand or receive reverence on the level that is reserved for God alone. Matthew ten thirty seven. Jesus, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And thirdly, when a parent is abusive and violent towards their child, when, when parents are faithless, then their right to parent 
is forfeited. Biblical obedience. Can I just say, in that context, there is still, I believe, a statute or a mitzvah, as they would say in in Jewish law, to honor the parent, which means I don't run around bad-mouthing them. I don't do everything I can to make their life hell. But I recognize that my parent has failed me and they've been faithless to the commands of God. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Okay. Biblical obedience is not about blind or unconditional compliance. This is what I've just said. Biblical obedience is based on the consistent unity of the office. That is the position of authority as the parent and teaching what is helpful and wise. Okay? It's, there's a consistent unity of those two things. The Hebrew word Shema captures the essence of biblical obedience because it's hear and obey. And it means to heed, which implies wisdom. Heed, yield, and apply it. And genuine obedience comes from honoring and listening to God. The Old Testament teaches that the ground of obedience is the fact that God has redeemed his people and he has the best designs, the best strategies, the best pathway to bless, right? Nearly every time in the scriptures that there is a call to obey, it is in the context of God's reminder of who he is, what he's done, and his high value and life-giving teaching. Always. Hmm. There's always a reason for the command. Hmm. So it's first of all a response to trust, right? Just simple trust. This comes back to Habakkuk again. My righteous one will live By his faithfulness. Even if you don't get it all. Apply the wisdom you understand. Ask God for greater insight. And live and walk by faith. The Bible makes it clear. That the grounds for obedience is not simply the Bible commanding it. Parents are worthy of honor because they represent God. And they have proven themselves faithful to God and worthy of trust. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A parent who lives that way doesn't have to command their children to respect them, you know, with a belt in one hand. That's not. That's not it. You've missed it. When God-following parents are honorable and can be trusted, the son or daughter learns to love. And love becomes the second motivation for obedience. The parent's love paves the way for their child to obey We get insight into this genuine obedience by looking at Jesus' relationship with God the Father, right? His life was saturated with the Father's love. And our obedience to God starts with trust and then it comes from abiding in the life of Christ rooted in love. And Jesus himself said on obedience, the one who loves me will obey me. That's the model. Just ask yourselves, children, teenagers, you know, 
Just have a think about this. Parents, yep. have a think about how you're parenting. Because there needs to be repentance on both sides, on both ends of the stick, right? We have to meet in the middle. But we so want to forgive one another yeah. as God in Christ, Christ has, has forgiven, forgiven you. you. That's right. We yeah. have no right to hold on to unforgiveness. Towards our We've parents, been forgiven. Parents. Yep. Mm -hmm. Towards our parents or anyone. Mm. That's how universal these the, this teaching is. Mm. Students, I just wanna I wanna talk about something with you for a minute. We'll just move it slightly away from the home context. You all, you know, for a short time I was a principal of FCC and you know that I chair the college council. But this applies to anybody in school. There are rules in schools, right? Some of them are like you would 100% absolutely, absolutely enforce that one and that one and that one and that one. There are other rules that seem to be able to be kind of like, depends if you think it's a good rule. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can push the boundaries. Can push the boundaries. That one doesn't that. apply to me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to raise... Because this is a really good one because it comes to the heart. Because we're talking about matters of the heart here this yeah, morning. That's right. It's really about yeah. the heart. Okay? Mm. And same for parents. Okay? But matters of the heart. All right. So mm. when it comes to school uniform, uh oh. <laughs> parents, you need to listen as well. This is one of those ones. You know, I said with a small child, the eye rolling, you catch that when they're six. <laughs> and other ones like that. Okay? You just don't allow it. And I remember a time, actually, just diverting here slightly. Let's not, oh. mm -hmm. um, I remember a time when one of our sons... We're wrapping up. Oh, yeah, he's about six or seven. Mm -hmm. And he started saying, it's not fair. And I was, at first I was like, well, okay, life's not fair. Sorry about that, love. Get over and it. Was, yeah, get over it. Like, <laughs> well, not really. That's but. real. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, after a week or two, something went off in my spirit. And I turned to that son and I said, you are never saying that word again. And I explained to him why. Because it was actually, it was actually a foot stamping I don't like. You hear what I'm saying? It's not fair. And we said, you're not going to say that anymore. And this is the reason why. Well, what's not fair? Well, other is kids can I say don't, it's I don't not get fair. To do, I don't get to do what I want to do. I don't get to do what that's I want to do. That's why it's not. That's right. That's why their perspective is not fair. Because oh, I can't goodness. do what I want to do. Life, and I want to do what I want to do. Life is so tough when you're that age. It really mm. is. Yeah. Teenagers. I can walk into a high school, private, public, doesn't really matter, anywhere in this state, anywhere in the world actually, and I have taught in schools elsewhere, I can tell you, I can describe for you the culture of that school by the way they're wearing their uniform. You see, because the way you wear your uniform it's either your parents haven't taught you properly and you didn't get the memo at school and so it's an innocent error 
or both your parents and you are going, it doesn't really matter. That so grieves my heart that we would let our children be trained that way. Grieves my heart. And students, I'll chat with you afterwards for as long as you like about the benefits of wearing the school uniform the way the policy says to wear it. I'd love to have that conversation. Come and see me. Just gather around. All right? Because there are some really, really solid reasons to do that. But when you start saying in your heart, well, everybody else does this, so I shouldn't have to, or you blame whatever, whatever, whatever. Hey, it's a heart issue that's going on. And the Lord wants you to listen to your conscience because he wants to train you because he wants to bless you. Amen. Amen. It's been great. Thanks, Julie. All those, all those things. And so we'll just wrap up and say, because this is, this is about the summit. So even about, it's all about glorifying God. So even the way that we wear a school uniform is I wear it in according to the policy so that I glorify God. I want to live for his well done. I want him to say well done. I want my heart to be aligned with his heart on these things. And I signed up, or my parents signed me up to this school committing to these, these things. So we, we all want to be on that on that same page because there's there's active rebellion and passive rebellion. And uh, we don't have time to say too much more about those things. But we we keep holding up that it's the summit that we're heading for as a family to glorify God and honouring our parents is keeping me going in that direction. So, and we honour our parents all the way through their lives. And obeying them is that same trajectory, recognising that it's training me and forming something in me. And that's the most difficult thing to grab a hold of when you're young. You know, I didn't appreciate my mum sometimes when she would chase me with a wooden spoon. It was a good day when I became... She was a good runner in her younger years. <laughs> if I wasn't quick... If I didn't get that half-step head start... <laughs> you were grateful. acquainted with the principal's office too, uh, weren't you, Wayne? Uh, yes, I did. I the thing about the scriptures that say... You know, God says that... Um, Discipline is proof of being a legitimate child of God. Yeah. Hebrews 12. Mm. And no discipline, no correction seems pleasant at the time. It doesn't. You're being corrected. But the scriptures say, for those who are trained by it, it yeah. produces a harvest, harvest. of righteousness, yeah. a harvest of right living, blessings and benefits. So it's like, yeah, I don't like being corrected, but... Do I want to eat the fruit of uh, of being trained and being being learning that discipline? Yes, I do. Yeah. So again, we keep our eyes fixed on the summit to glorify God. So yes, I receive correction from people, 
I receive it from parents, or teachers. I received it from a bunch of people, youth leaders. There's quite a long list. Um, so if there's anything in, in my life that's worthy in these days, it's because of being trained. It wasn't pleasant at the time, but I, I allowed myself to be trained by that discipline so that it would produce something in me that's worthwhile as a, as a harvest of, of blessing that comes from that. We will do something with the rest of the content on another day. It's been very important. This has been a very important conversation, Julie. Mm. You bringing all that wisdom from scriptures. And uh, I just want to point people again to Proverbs. It's such a great yes. book to read to your children and to read as a teenager. There's lots of instructions to follow. And it's like, if you want to find out what pleases the Lord, I mean, there's the simple things. Just read the book and obey it. Read God's book and obey it. That's, it's not really that. It's not hard. It's not hard to find out what pleases the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And there's grace. There's when grace our hearts to are this, set towards. To. Yeah. yeah. This, mm. this, this difficult and weighty responsibility of raising children, but when our hearts are set mm. In, in love for God, and it is the desire. I, you know, he, he adds grace. Mm. He really, he adds grace. And I had a mm. whole, whole bunch of stuff I wanted to say to, to single parents, which will encourage you no end. We'll save that for next time. Yeah. But God is not like, unless you get it perfect and it's in the no. perfect context, that's the only way it's going to work. It's not. And the no. biblical mm. narrative, the story of the scriptures backs this up again and again. So mm. do not be discouraged. Yes. Okay. Do not give up. But head for the summit. Head for the summit. I'd just to pray. Father, we come, we stand. If you're in, all of us are in need of God's grace this morning. So why don't you just begin to speak out your own prayer to God and say, God, help me. If you're a teenager, ask for God's grace to help you choose to obey and just set your heart. Say, God, I will obey. I will honor my parents and I will obey. If you're a parent, say, God, help me. Give me grace to parent. Husbands, you want the same prayer on your lips to be a husband that loves like Christ, loves his bride. If you're a wife, Say, God, help me, give me grace to submit to my husband as unto the Lord. Pray for your family. Pray, say, God, help us as a family to learn how to glorify you. Help us to cultivate the practices and the habits in the daily rhythms of life, in the helter-skelter sometimes, in the of life. Help us to cultivate the rhythms that will help us to ascend the summit, to be a family that glorifies you, God. Those of you that are hoping to get married one day, say, Lord, help me. Help me become that one who, if joined to another human being in a marriage covenant between a man and a woman, we can set our sail bring along someone who's been equally yoked partner for me one who also wants to glorify you and head to the summit Father of glory we thank you again for 
for your greatness, for your majesty, for your perfection. We thank you that we've been brought into the eternal family of Father, Son and Spirit, the eternal triune community. Because of your grace, we didn't get into this through any other means than by your grace and saying yes to your grace. And so help us to say yes to your grace again, God, to live lives of faithfulness before you. So that on that day that we stand before you, we're men and women who have run the race, we've been found faithful and we've lived our lives in obedience to you. And we've got nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide, nothing to try to keep from you. We've set our gaze. We focused on you, Father. Keep forming us into being that kind of individual, that kind of family, and that kind of church. Faithful to the end, Lord. As we look forward and long for your return, Jesus, and say, come, Lord Jesus, come.